1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken.
0: Episode number 235, recorded April 16th, 2016. So today we're going back to the Tokyo Pop Manga series. Right, Pokenshin. Uh, yes, we're doing Next Generation's only entry into the, to the manga, which is Spokenshin. So right. we're doing and, stories 2 through 4.
1: Right, Pokenshin meaning adventurous spirit, I guess. That's what I'm getting from the book. And I thought they were some pretty good stories, especially I really like the last one, which is uh, the fourth story in the book. The
0: third story we'll be doing today. Right. I definitely think that that one's the best one out of the out of the four, because the first one was good, but it was a little lighthearted. That was the Wesley Crusher. West the Crusher changing into different different folks?
1: Was it actually a changeling or something like that? We did it some episodes ago. Yeah,
0: it was. Uh, I think it was episode two twenty two or two twenty three, somewhere around there. An encyclopedic mind. Um, it was a lighthearted story, and then these, the middle one that we'll do today is another maybe lighthearted one, but it's just not as funny as the first one. No. But uh, but yeah, the thir- the last one is really good. And it's it, not it, it's not action it's just good it's just a good no story. no yeah
1: but, but and and it fills in a nook of the star trek history that we didn't know about i mean we only we're we're aware of the time period from the original tng episodes but we're not aware of what happened to other characters during this time period as you will see soon so again it's a nice i think it explains some interesting things
0: right okay all right, well, saying that, do you want to go ahead and jump into the first one that we'll be doing today?
1: I would love to do that. So this one is story number two of Book and it is titled Sensation. Um, I believe the published date was April 2009 for the whole book. And the writer is Diane Duane. Artist, Chrissy Delk. Cover art is also by Chrissy Delk. And editors, uh, Luis Reyes and Bryce P. Coleman. The cover presents Picard with a no-nonsense look on his face, hiking up a mountain on what appears to be a barren, tan-colored alien world. That reminds me of Mars. The Enterprise-D is low enough in the sky that we can actually see it far above Picard, with a rather roundish saucer section. And of course, that's the same cover for all three stories we're doing today. The Enterprise-D arrives on Lamba Scorpi 4 in response to a distress call from an archaeological expedition that has been working there for two months. They have contracted a sickness that Dr. Crusher and her medical team beams down to remedy, with decontamination field bracelets active. Very handy. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Counselor Troy deduces that the captain has been on this world before. The evidence of an early alien colony on this world must have drawn Picard there as the current archaeological On the planet, Dr. Crusher and her team are met by Dr. Werther Arbroth, who describes the symptoms as nightmares, depression, feelings of disconnectedness from the rest of the team. Eventually, it progresses to hallucinations, like their nightmares are chasing them. After that, the victim falls into a deep coma that, so far, they have not awakened from. No one has died yet, but how long could people actually be in a comatose state like that? They happen to witness one of the older scientists running past them, screaming as if being chased by a rabid Mugatu. Dr. Arbroth takes Dr. Crusher to the unconscious patients. They make arrangements to meet by his hut to check out his excavation records, seeing if any excavated relics might have correlated with the start of the outbreak. Dr. Crusher reports to Captain Picard on some leads, including lead deposits that might be leaching into their water supply. She also asks for Troy to accompany her as a second set of eyes on the situation and to ply her trade as counselor. On the planet, Dr. Crusher briefs Troy and explains they have remedied the heavy metals in the water that they have been drinking, but despite that, they are not getting any better. Troy uses her betazoid talents to read the emotional state of a terrified man who, despite heavy sedatives, is wide awake and terrified of something unseen. Troy confirms he is as fearful as he appears, but does not know where the fear is coming from. She continues examining people and finds that the comatose people, unlike the people in the earlier stage of the disease, are not only unconscious, but also devoid of all emotion, which is unheard of in human beings. Troy talks to Dr. Arbroth into getting some sleep. He has not had much since all this started. Dr. Crusher reports her near total lack of success diagnosing the sickness. Her only concrete suggestion for a next step is to evacuate the planet, which Picard does not like. Picard does not want to take that action, for now. So they continue to search for a cause on the planet, and a sample of soil and artifacts are sent to the ship for further analysis. Between Dr. Crusher and Troy, they come to the conclusion these people are being driven mad with their worst fears, to the point that they become so emotionally drained that they choose to go into a comatose state to avoid the fear. Jordy completes his soil and artifact analysis and detects nothing unusual about them. Dr. Arbroth comes down with it next. Then Crusher receives word, Jordy is in sickbay complaining of an overwhelming feeling. Something large and powerful is sneaking up behind him. Picard is not happy. Somehow those materials transmitted the affliction to Jordy. It's on the ship. Dr. Crusher and the rest of the landing party return to the ship. They find Jordy is paralyzed with fear, claiming that the Enterprise is going down crash on the, the surface. Picard contacts sickbay and tells Dr. Crusher it's spreading fast. More and more crewmen are being affected. Even he feels strange. Get me the solution, Doctor. Picard demands of Crusher. She says she will find the solution and closes the comm. Picard prepares the Q-sign protocol, which will set the ship on course for the nearest star bait at maximum warp. Automated systems will fly the ship if need be. In SickBay, Dr. Crusher starts ranting about her being the only one who can save them. She has it too, and Troy runs to her aid as she hears Data say that Captain Picard is hallucinating. Troy and Data figure out that since the soil and artifacts have been on the Enterprise, no new cases have occurred on the planet. Rather, they are happening on the Enterprise. Dr. Crusher and Captain Picard slip into a coma. The seeming migration of the infected rate shifting exclusively to the ship gives Troy an idea. She asks data to correlate all infections on a timeline with exact locations prior to the infection included. In sickbay, Troy puts herself into a trance and discovers an outside entity in her head trying to communicate a fearful situation to her. It's the same thing the afflicted experience, but they are not used to having other thoughts in their minds like she is. She realizes it's an alien who is fearful of his life and other lives he is responsible for. She tells the outside entity to show her what has happened. Abstract imagery enters her mind and sees the story of a people whose world was on the edge of destruction. Some of them left to perpetuate their race, and eventually crashed on Lambda Scorpi IV. They put themselves into stasis until help, any help, could arrive. When the archaeology team broke the stasis, they had a finite amount of time to be rescued before they would all die. The story complete, Troy races to the bridge and asks a gangly teenage version of Data to build her a really complicated contraption that Data appears to know how to do, and races off to start construction. Troy explains the situation with the aliens to Riker, along with saying, Everyone that has gone comatose will wake up eventually and be fine. They just could not handle having the alien captain and his fear in their head. They went unconscious, not being able to take the extreme, unending fear. She explains that Data is constructing a new vessel to incorporate aliens that can migrate to it until the Federation can find a way to provide them a world and an environment they can live in. While Data is working on the contraption, Troy has a long conversation with the alien captain who takes the form of a blonde version of Troy. Yada, 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 she thanks Troy. Fast forward, the new containment vessel is on the planet with the archaeology team data incorporates universal translator circuitry that will allow the scientists to speak to the aliens. Imagine the opportunity to learn all about supposedly dead race from survivors of that race. The aliens will remain there until an appropriate new planet can be located. All is well on the ship as they break orbit for their next assignment. Captain Picard thanks Troy for saving their lives. Troy says he's the second captain to thank her for that very same service today. The end. The end. The end. Okay, so a Troy story. She ends up being the hero. She did. Yeah, pretty cool. Again, it's good to have uh, somebody that can kind of sort of read minds. Or emotions or whatever. (laughs) When it's convenient, yep. Exactly. So kind of like Great to have a data around in certain situations. Great to have a beta zoid.
0: Yeah, I really thought data was underused in this episode. Yeah. I mean he's almost like a throwaway line at one point when everybody's becoming incapacitated that I'm like, where's data? Where where is he? And then they're like, just I don't even know if we could trust data. And I'm like, Well he's a robot. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were talking about like data would be infected too.
1: It's like right. he's a machine.
0: Really? Well, it has happened. Remember, if you prick him, does he not blink? <laughs> but I he bummed. did he did get that the naked naked now or whatever that uh that episode was where he uh, he and Troy he and no, he and Crusher. Not Crusher. Um Oh my goodness. No, you're right. Uh it was uh, Yar. Tasha. Tasha Yar. Yar. Oh
1: yeah. why,
0: well, we're both way off <laughs> As soon as you said it, I was like, "No, you're so wrong." It's, uh, tr- uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "Is he wrong?" <laughs> yes, Yar.
1: Yes, I am wrong. It's Yar. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, well, okay, hold on. But was Data affected, or did yeah. he just say,
0: uh, "Okay, oh, <laughs> here's my are. chance." Here's my chance.
1: No, he <laughs> was
0: affected. Okay, he he was affected. Okay, but
1: okay. It, okay, that that was a first season episode. They were still get Wasn't that first season? I think it was first season. Yeah,
0: that's my, they were like still trying second to, episode.
1: They were still trying to work things out, kind of, you know? Yeah, I didn't like it the first season when they were just redoing Taz episodes. Right. But that was an interesting opportunity. Right. To have a human and a robot. Well, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought that was interesting.
0: All right, so this story, uh, it was the captain of the alien ship ship Mm -hmm. infecting everybody um, at various speeds. But all right, so he's going from person to person. So how did he get from the planet to Jordy? Because Jordy was never actually in physical contact with anybody that had it. So the captain knew that, oh, this piece is about to get beamed up. Let me move my consciousness to that rock. And then come up and then affect Jodie that way? Well,
1: I thought that the that the ship that they traveled in... Now th- this was not clear, by the way. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. But my way of make, having it make sense was that the ship was actually pretty small. So sure. So, you know, these are incorporeal beings, I guess. So I guess they don't need a lot of room. I thought that part of the ship, or maybe the ship but he didn't recognize it as a ship, whatever, was part of the stuff that was beamed up to the Enterprise and that Geordi was looking at. So soil and – I thought it was soil and artifacts.
0: But. Right, but I mean – but but after after the stuff was beamed up to the Enterprise, we still had at least one more outbreak on the planet of somebody becoming infected. So how uh, did that happen? Well, hold on. You mean the um, Arbroth? Dr. Arbroth? Yeah,
1: right. Well, he might have been – okay, they found out about it after it was beamed up, but he might have been infected before they found out about it, before the stuff got beamed up. Hmm. Now, I'd have to look in the book
0: again, but,
1: you know, well, from because,
0: the, yeah. But from the way Data talked about it, it sounded like, according to his analysis, once you became infected and then once you got to the point where you were comatose, that's when it moved to you to the next person.
1: Well, you know, that's another thing that's interesting, isn't it? Because there were more than one person on the planet that was affected at the same time. Same thing on the ship. So it wasn't a one-off situation. It's it, – which, which is like, oh, like he's just jumping around to people. And even though he's jumped on to a second person, the first person is still afflicted. That's what it seemed like it had to be.
0: Right. Right?
1: Because there were multiple people that were affected with this at the same time.
0: Right. Well, I mean, like once you're infected, then it stays with you. Stays with you, and then you become. Even though he's
1: gone on to somebody else,
0: right, right. But I mean, but how long? How long is he there before he uh, he moves on to the next person? I I, I don't know. I I don't think. I I thought he kind of hung around until they went into a coma, and then he was like, "Oh, I I need to move to the next person." But maybe that's. But he already moved to somebody else. Mm. So I, I I did not think it was very well
1: explained. Uh, I did think it was an interesting – I thought it was an interesting mystery what was going on because as I'm reading through it and it's like, oh, it's – okay, so it's not an infectious thing. And it's not spreading like an infectious disease as they say. Um, But it's like – well, I was just interested in what it was. And then when they actually said what it was, it was like, oh, it's kind of cool. And then I start thinking about it. It's like, oh, this isn't as cool. Some of this doesn't make sense. Right. But – um yeah i I thought this was okay. I, I thought it was good that that Troy got to do something uh and be the hero. I like that, but it wasn't the best story in the world. I don't think
0: right and and I didn't really understand how she was able to guide the entity to her I mean so she's just sitting in her room in the dark and then right. she has everybody do busy work to keep their mind occupied so that it can never worm its way in and eventually it somehow found her. Right. I mean, That's again, right. that that proves that you don't have to be in physical contact with whoever was last infected. Yeah,
1: I don't think it's a physical contact thing. Yeah. This
0: is an incorporeal
1: being. It's just, just jumping, floating
0: around. around the ship
1: or the planet. Uh, apparently. Apparently. Mm. Hmm. What do you think about the art? I liked it. I thought it was good. I, I liked the art. But they drew everybody incredibly skinny and incredibly young looking. I had slipped into my, my uh, synopsis what I thought about what, how Data looked. He looked like he was 16 or something. He looked like tall yeah. because he's towering over Troy, at least in some panels. Right. Towering over her. And he's, you know, he's got no chest. He's a skinny little. He, I'm surprised he didn't have pimples. Um, and then I I think everybody just looked like, you know, especially the women looked like little skinny Barbie dolls. Uh, and, and maybe that's the Japanese style of, of, you know, more towards a manga kind of style of drawing. Right. Um, you know, with the big eyes and everybody looks like children and incredibly skinny. Right. Um, I mean, it was nice. It was kind of attractive, but also a little kind of odd.
0: I mean, everybody looks pretty young yeah definitely everybody looks young yeah except picard (laughs) (laughs) true
1: uh and picard just looks skinny right right yeah yep so uh, it is not my favorite drawing of all the books
0: Hmm. no I, i i liked it so i didn't i don't have anything bad to say about it okay one of the things i did like was a little uh nod towards the animated series oh okay what was so that so crusher puts some sort of bracelet on her oh, that and creates a <laughs> f- de- exactly. decontamination right. field around it's her like was
1: that belts they use in the animated yeah they
0: used belts in the old animated series that did right. uh, but those were actually like like little force fields they could like walk in space and stuff with those things
1: exactly definitely on planets that had uh, no atmosphere or an atmosphere not conducive to life
0: So I don't know if it was an intentional nod, but I liked it.
1: (laughs) And, it, you know, it was just so
0: handy. I mean,
1: it's like, okay, I mean, if you can erect force fields to cover up breaches in the ship hull, sure, I guess you could be able to to do a containment field around a person. Um, It's just, and the fact that you didn't see anything, like in the old animated series, you could see the field around them
0: right uh but in this there was no visible field Uh, no aside from the first the first panel when she turns it on yeah
1: oh was there i didn't even notice that okay um so I i guess it does make more sense i mean like well we can go with the idea that there's a containment field that we can't see i mean we're all adults here so that's fine it's just it just seemed very convenient
0: right and why jordy couldn't use the same thing um Oh, when he was analyzing. Because, yeah, because when he's analyzing the dirt, he's wearing a full, full-blown full containment suit. Oh, good point. It seems point. that the bracelet might, you know. I mean, if it's not hindering her movements or anything, which it doesn't seem to be, um, why wouldn't everybody wear that? Exactly. Hm. Good point. And she doesn't seem to get sick until she gets to the plant, gets back to the ship and turns it off. So I would just throw that bracelet on everybody.
1: <laughs> exactly. What, what, wouldn't that be a good precaution? Right. Anyway, I mean, you have something that's potentially going to infect the ship. Right. Wouldn't you want to do something about that? Anyway. So I thought Picard's fearful face while he's restrained in the sick bay. I forgot what page it was on. But I was like, it was kind of funny, really. <laughs> Why? Uh, I, I found it funny anyway. He's very I just, just the look of his face. Well, it, but in a funny way, kind of. I I, I just found. <laughs> <it worse. laughs> All right, I think. I know and and know. that wasn't the main point of, of the panel. I mean, he was just kind of like he was not the main focus of the panel. But he was just kind of there with you know with his his head cocked to the side towards the reader, and he just yeah. had a funny look on his face, which I could see it was fear. But
0: yeah, anyway, whatever. Yeah, no, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Where he's saying the ship, no, we can't. My crew, no, not my ship. Yeah, looks like maybe he uh, passed some gas, and he's trying to keep (laughs) keep keep it secret. Exactly, exactly. And there was a spot on uh,
1: page forty-four where Data has really arched eyebrows, and I thought that was a total
0: Spock moment. Right, Data. Yeah, that was after Troy. uh, Very specifically. Explained what what she wanted him to build her, right? And knew what she was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, talk about uh, techno babble, right? Right. So I got a question. Okay. Um, if the captain becomes incapacitated, like he does here,
1: uh-huh.
0: did Riker at that moment decide to put on the extra pip, or oh, is he still you don't acting? This, there's cap- an extra pip. Yes. Oh, so good. When, uh, when, when Riker and Troy are talking about, um, um, you know, telepathic connections and blah, 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 before she does her, um, talks to the, or before she goes back and talks to the spirit version of herself, she and Riker are talking and, and he has four pips. That's funny. Yeah. So I know that, uh, in a later story, he should have four pips, but, uh but in this timeline I don't this time frame he shouldn't have 4. Well, what's interesting is
1: on the page you're speaking of where it's like it's it, the whole page is just uh Riker looking at Troy. Yep. He's got the 4 pips. In the mm-hmm. page before, Riker has no pips. Right. Well, it's kind of farther away. It, not that much farther away.
0: Well, and then and, the next then page the same, he has 3.
1: And on the same page there's a there's a picture of uh there's the picture with the arched eyebrows of Data, and he doesn't have pips either. Right. So, they're not much on making the pips accurate. <laughs>
0: anyway. Oh well, I'll forgive him. I I enjoyed the art style, so I yeah. can't complain. Yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: It's just everybody looks like like they're teenagers. Right. Even so I don't... even Riker with the beard, he still looks like okay. Maybe he's twenty maybe.
0: So with the beard that means this is definitely at least season 3, right? Um pro- yes. Yep, at least. Right. Are there any other indications? What about the uniform that? Uh, well, I don't know, but Wesley's still wearing his sweater looking thing. Oh right, okay. So that's so why I was thinking maybe episode season come. 3, right? Yeah. But but I, I thought Wesley was a little odd in this one. I mean, I understand his mom's sick, but he he's Pretty competent acting, intent. He usually would try to figure out something on, on how to fix everything, but here he just his only role Certain is to sit by his mom's side and look, yeah, pouty faced, yeah. And Which I, I don't... get, I get, I totally get. That's what you would do if your mom was was sick. But you're you're not so you're not Wesley Crusher, who is boy genius who can do anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I
0: did not think he looked much like Will Wheaton, by the way. Also. Mm. No, he looked like that kid from uh, Stand By Me. Have you seen that movie? Nah! <laughs> <laughs> well, because he looks so young.
1: He, yeah, he looks like the 12-year-old version of uh, of uh, Wesley Crusher. Yeah. There you go. And then Jordy, I mean, he looks like Jake Sis- Sisko in Season 1 of DS9. <laughs> Jake. <laughs> yeah, he looks really young. Okay. I mean, look at him. I'm looking at him on page uh, 30 right now. He looks young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, page 29. Look at page 29. He looks like like Jake Sisko with a visor. Anyway. He looks really young.
0: Yeah. Everybody looks young. Everybody looks young, and, and I wouldn't have noticed that unless you, you pointed it out. No. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. What else you got on this one? I got nothing else. All right. Now comes, I hate to say it. But maybe my least favorite out of these three. I, I, I'm gonna say it. It is my
1: least favorite.
0: It makes no <laughs> sense. Okay, good. Although there
1: is some nice, there's. I think there's some really nice humor in here. Not there, you know. There is. It, it, it's not forced. It, you know, it's some like like especially that was it the Diane Duane story that we did a few episodes ago uh, that tried to be very humorous, forced, yet uh, I don't some remember. of the. Oh,
0: oh, oh. Uh, With the 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 insectoid aliens? Right, right. And then the kitty cat aliens? Right. Oh, God, that was horrible. Yeah, that was the DC Comics one? Exactly.
1: So uh, this one's slipped in humor here and there, and I thought it was very subtle, and I thought it was mostly nicely done.
0: Right. Okay. All right, well, this is story three of the Bokushin uh, manga. It is entitled The Picardian Nut. The writer is Quis- the writer is Christine Boyland, and art is by Don Hudson. So again, no cover because it's all the same compilation. So the story is set shortly after the Next Generation episode Serik, and the Enterprise is being called to the Romulan Neutral Zone. Once there, they find the Romulan Tamalak in his warship within the within the zone. Picard orders to know why the Romulans are provoking a war. He tells Picard that they are just trying to bring back a Romulan science shuttle that has strayed too far into the zone. With the Romulan shields down, Picard is willing to give him the benefit of a doubt. Suddenly, a Romulan beams aboard the Enterprise Bridge and holds Picard hostage at gunpoint. The Romulan takes out Worf with a shot, and then he tries to threaten the Enterprise crew and Tomalak himself. The Romulan scientist gets mad when Tomalak threatens via the view screen and he takes a shot at the TV screen. While distracted, Data tackles the disgruntled Romulan scientist. Tomalak demands that the Romulan be returned back to him. Picard strangely agrees and the Romulan scientist is beamed over and killed on the viewscreen for his insubordination. Picard then allows Tomalak to retrieve the scientist's shuttle and return to Romulan space. Much to everyone on the bridge's confusion. Later, Troy discovers that Picard is suffering some side effects from his recent mind meld with Sarek, and all of Picard's emotions are completely cut off. He's like a robot, completely devoid of all emotions. Troy and Crusher cannot find anything to treat physically, so Troy asks for the crew to talk to Picard about how they're feeling, and maybe this will re-trigger Picard's own emotions. Tomalak soon returns, telling Picard that the scientist must have left a little something on his ship. Data finds a golden puzzle sphere. No one knows how to open it, and Picard is convinced not to return it to the Romulans until they know what it is. A montage then ensues with everyone telling Picard how they're feeling. O'Brien does have a little scene where he has figured out how the Romulan scientists beamed aboard the ship, even though the Enterprise's shields were up, and Data and Riker uh, are shown completely unable to open the sphere. Eventually, it is discovered that only Eventually, Troy discovers that the only time she senses anything from Picard Picard is when he starts to wonder how to open up the box. Knowing that this might be due to Picard's love of solving mysteries, she asks Data to allow Picard to give it a try. After looking it over for a while, Picard gives in and smashes the sphere with a corkscrew saying that it is a specific type of metal that only opens due to trauma. The golden cords unwind themselves and reveal a tiny, dancing Romulan toy. Very amused with this finding, Picard opens a connection back to Tomalok and offers to return the tiny toy. Knowing what the artifact actually is, the Romulans allow Picard to keep it and leaves. The story ends with Picard back to normal, and the Enterprise going to Beta Z for their next adventure, which... Will happen to be the episode Ménage à Troy. The end. Ménage à Troy. Oh, we. Oui. Mhm. Mhm.
1: All right. So, nice humor in this one, but I gotta say, there's lots of points in the story that make no sense at all, <laughs> to me.
0: Right. I really liked that they tried to fit in. Uh, you know, this has happened in between two existing episodes that you mm-hmm. are very familiar with everybody yep. so in that regards i liked it but uh i i thought it went a little long with everybody just you know you know a page of every crew member just telling them how he feels and trying to make him feel sad or happy or whatever it just got a little old yeah
1: yeah but at at first it was kind of funny especially when Borf was trying to do it
0: right well, it, it had its moments. I'm I'm yeah. not knocking it for... I mean, it was still entertaining story, but mm-hmm. I just think it went a little long. I mean, did I really need to see... Uh, what was her name? Lieutenant D'Angelo oh. or whatever oh, yeah, her name yeah, whatever. Is.
1: DeSanto or whatever. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Data's ex-girlfriend. Talk about her other ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <I was laughs> well, like, at first yeah. I was
1: like, who the heck is that? I mean, what are they throwing her in?
0: <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was it was a very entertaining story. I like the Barclay joke about, you know, uh, sometimes I feel sad when y'all call me that nickname. Yeah, <laughs> broccoli. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it had its moments. Yeah, but, uh,
1: it, it did. Uh, so, but the the points, the moments that I thought were bad was just like, what the heck is going on? They're talk. It mostly has to do with Locke. So, what was going on? What was Tomalak, What was Tomalak's motivation in any of this? So, he thought the the knot, the the artifact, was more was something important from Romulan past. Right. And and the lieutenant. And by the way, it's an off. I thought he's an officer, not a scientist. But oh, I thought he was a scientist. I, I thought he was an officer, but whatever he was. Okay, so oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Lieutenant. He
1: beamed over for why? Why did he beam over? And and why did he threaten to kill Picard? Okay, so so he had the knot, and Mm -hmm. he wouldn't give it to Tomalak, and that's why he beamed over to the Enterprise. Uh, I don't know. It just that whole thing that actually just so happened to get the knot into Picard's possession. I mean, I know. I know, I know the purpose of it—to get the knot over there in the Enterprise. But I just don't get it. It just seems very—it's—it's it's like the 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 author was like, okay, we got to get this thing over on the Enterprise. How are we going to get it on the Enterprise? And they just come up with something that's forced. I right. wasn't wasn't happy about that.
0: Right, and it was almost until he had a chance to talk to um, until he had a chance to talk to O'Brien, and even it wasn't the main purpose of the conversation with O'Brien, you're still wondering, how the heck did this guy even get on the ship? I mean... Yeah. Just, uh, the shields are up on the Enterprise, regardless of what Tomalak's ship's... I thought they were. ...shields status is. Yeah. Uh, but this guy just beams on in, shoots Worf dead in the chest, doesn't kill him, but... No, he stuns him, I guess. I didn't think so, Romulan Disruptors had stun settings. Huh, right. Uh, right. But, but then O'Brien is explaining how he got on, right? Right. Right. But it's almost like a throwaway conversation because then he's yeah. like and then he just immediately starts talking about his feelings and seeing people arrive and leave. And it was actually really, really interesting. But I was more interested in, you know, the whole beaming through shields thing. That's that seems to be a more important concern. Right. That you can actually do that. <laughs> right. Period. Uh, it's, it sounds like it's very difficult.
1: So even more so, how did this guy manage it? I mean, he, went, he was that smart that he could rig all this up at the last minute uh, so he could get off the ship and get away from Tomalak?
0: Uh,
1: I don't know. I will say, though, I thought the vocabulary was rather uh, advanced, some of the vocabulary. Recalcitrant. So there's a part where it says they refer to a recalcitrant warbird. Picard does. It's like, recalcitrant? Okay, I've heard that, be- that word before, but I don't – what's the exact definition? I had to look it up. Having oh. uh, an obstinately co- uncooperative attitude towards authority or discipline. Okay, that makes sense. The war board was loitering around the neutral zone right, uh, and actually entering you know, Federation space. So, okay, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then uh, also uh, detritus. Okay, so the ancient detritus of my people. And it was like, wow, there's another big word. I hardly ever hear that used. Detritus. What's detritus again? Waste or debris of any kind. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, okay. So I, the use of the word makes perfect sense. I just hardly ever see that. Uh, and this, one, this, this last one I mentioned is not, you know, it's not a hugely unusual word, but dearth. So the, they, they use the word dearth. Uh, which is like, what's dearth again? And then I looked at a, a scarcity or, or a lack of something. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, anyway, I just thought the vocabulary was a little higher than normal for a comic book.
0: Hmm. I... I you knew what all those I, words were. I didn't know what they were. I must have just skipped them. I don't know. <laughs> well, you can, well, you can
1: kind of... I mean, you can you know infer what, what
0: they're talking about. Exactly.
1: Con- through context, you can figure out what, what, what it means pretty much, but that's funny. I just thought.
0: I just thought it was, was it always Picard, or was it was it ever? No, no. It was uh, Picard did the Recalcitrant, right?
1: And then it was Tomaloc that did the Detritus, and then Tomaloc did the you know use the word dearth, which is not right. a, an incredibly complicated word too. But sure, I just thought I'd include it in the list.
0: Yeah, well, maybe if uh, I was going to say if it was always Picard, I and mean, then maybe they were just trying to say that. You know, without emotions, you just become very nah, Your vocabulary gets better, right? <laughs> or that it was somehow Sarek's influence or something. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and and that is kind of, I do kind of like the idea that they did say, hey, you know, Picard had a a, a pretty pretty significant mind melt with a dying Vulcan, right? A very a very powerful Vulcan. And, uh, and, you know, there was more of a lingering effect there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I thought that was cool that they investigated what that might have been. Although I gotta say, it was like, I know, how he was snapped out of it at the end, and how he was laughing at the little music box, it was like, ah, okay, I, I guess it's cute, but, yeah. Well, what'd you think
0: about that? You thought that was all good? Uh, the, uh, I liked how he, uh. I mean, I wish they would have spent more time with him trying to figure out how to open up the puzzle instead of just staring at it and then be like, oh, right. this is a a special metal only on Remus. And uh. let me hit it with a corkscrew and it'll open up. <laughs> I mean, that, that seemed kind of out of nowhere. But I kind of like the idea of him getting woken up in that way. Um, right. As far as him, you know, nonstop laughter and couldn't even stand up anymore after finding the little the little dancing guy. Uh, that was maybe a little much. But maybe it was because it was all those pent-up emotions that he hadn't had over the last couple of days or however long, all coming up at once. Right. Something I thought was very
1: interesting is how Troy was talking about Vulcans definitely having emotions and just repressing them with cultural discipline. Right. Which, Unless
0: you do colonar, which... Just, well, that's uh,
1: exactly. Talking. Okay, I had to bring it to that. So... <laughs> Earlier in the week, we had a little text, text ma- menage a trois going with, uh, between Brian and uh, Donovan and I. And we were talking about a religious question that Donovan had for us, which is uh, going into Spock's flirtation with Kulinar, the, the ceremony of Kulinar on, in the original motion picture movie. And uh, we, it was quite an interesting little exchange as we exchanged ideas about what we thought kolonar was and its effects on Vulcans and that kind of thing. Because that's what cool people talk
0: about when they're on –
1: Exactly. When they're at work, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) I was at work that whole time.
0: Uh, So was I. Anyway. But, yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, I thought that was funny. I was thinking the same thing when I was reading it. I was just like, see – they have emotions until the colonar cuts them out. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, so your point was
1: colonar would actually expunge the emotions.
0: That was it, right? In the end, that's pretty much what you were saying. Uh that was my that's still my my belief is that <laughs> that's the only way I can get their statements to say that it would completely remove emotions. That's the only way I can get it to work. Otherwise, it's always just a discipline. And you're not really removing it, you're just not uh, being affected by it. Which to me is no different than what what all Vulcans strive to do. Right, And that
1: goes against my understanding of basically what Troy is saying. That they have emotions. Right. Until Um, they they do the colonar. Oh, God. You but can't only just,
0: you can't just erase emotions. I'm sorry. But see, only only certain people go through the colonar. I mean, yes. that was a big deal that Spock was yes. going to do it. That's Sarek right. never did it. Well, I don't think he had to. But I, I mean, see Spock, Spock.
1: Spock had more of a of a motivation for doing it because uh, of him just continually dealing with the dual sides of his heritage and nature. Right. Anyway, so, yes, so for the Star Trek story, for what that was aimed at human beings, it was a big deal about him uh, giving up his emotions. But I still say even Colinar does not erase your emotions if you're a Vulcan. Anyway, <laughs> whatever. All right. just thought I'd bring that up. That's funny. Okay. Last thing that I wanted to say was I just wanted to mention a few of the high points as far as humor. Mm-hmm. So there's a really nice part where near the beginning where they're all at the conference, uh, in, in the conference room, and and Picard is talking about the situation. And then uh, Data turns to him and says how he's at a loss, why the rest of the senior officers are staring at the captain. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to Data, the captain probably looks more normal than usual. You
0: know, he's, <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. Right. Yeah, it was funny because they were having a they were having a very emotionalist conversation between the two of them and everybody else was a little perplexed. And, no, yeah, exactly. Good.
1: I thought that was very funny.
0: And I'm not going to mention
1: some of the other ones we mentioned already, but um, uh, um, There was I, a couple I, I... Go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was nice where uh, where Worf is, is taking his big shot with Picard and he's talking about uh, the, the beginning of the Iliad and just how Worf is just just going over all this and and kind of all that stuff, and then Picard is like totally unmoved. It's like, <laughs> okay, you know, I don't get what you're saying. Right. I I, th- I thought I thought the look on Worf's face was really funny. It it it, el- it actually elicited a out loud laugh from me. There, you go. That's what it, it was for. It's what it was for. I liked. It. And then I don't think I'll... Oh, yeah. Okay, this is the last one I'll just mention. I really like uh, when Troy and Picard... So after the crew's been trying to do this and they had the little panels all strung together with different members of the crew trying to talk about their feelings to Picard, and Picard and Troy end up in 10 forward, and Picard says, your experiment is over. And Troy says, why is that, Captain? And then Picard says, it's not necessary. And then the Troy said, are you angry with me, Captain? And Picard says, of course not, Counselor. Then Troy says, then we aren't done yet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I love that. She's just, she's sticking to it. She is sticking to her game plan. Right. No matter what the captain says. Right. Yeah,
0: very funny. And speaking of funny... Um... Did you think they misdrew O'Brien a little bit? He looked O'Brien a little more portly O'Brien? than than he. Should oh, have he been. looked big. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, he really let himself go. <laughs> <for the> <laughs> in, this, in this uh, in this particular book, he let himself go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was I was shocked because he didn't even look like Cole Meany most of the time.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think in general the drawing in this book was my least favorite. Hmm. So I think they, I think the, uh, the artist did well with like profiles and things, but in a lot of cases where they're showing people's faces dead on, it just reminds me of like the kind of art, you know, how good I could do, which
0: is
1: not good. No, no, really. I mean, look at people's faces. No, I agree. I think, Uh, well, sometimes they do all right, but in many cases, especially near the beginning, I'm just thinking, they, this person isn't good at drawing faces. <laughs> They're just not. I mm. It's still better than me, so I'm not I'm Oh not, no no. Not no oh oh believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be one step up from stick figures. But I think uh yeah. I I mean this is a professional artist. I mean sorry. So I'm just saying I just don't think the faces were done particularly. Right.
0: All right. And then my last comment on this issue is um during the 10 forward scene, there's a Ferengi, um, like, uh, chatting it up with some some ladies. Mm-hmm. So, remind me, in that Menage de Troy, I know that's the Ferengi episode where he kidnaps uh, Luana, uh, Luwaxana. Oh. Um, you think that's him? They, they were never on the ship, though, were they? They showed up. I so, I, I don't yeah. even understand why a Ferengi would be on the ship at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah, normally, it wasn't... I thought um, Worf's brother was the first
0: Ferengi in Starfleet, or something. Worf's brother? we're not? Wharf. Worf. Uh, Rom. I thought Rom was the right. 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 Ferengi. Yeah, this guy's not a. He's not in a Starfleet uniform. He's just in normal Ferengi well, what would attire. He, yeah. So what would he but, even be yeah, doing there? Why would Good he question. be there? I don't know. I don't so know. This is this would be season three, so we haven't got to the point where we know that uh, there's some. Honest, quote unquote, honest, uh, Ferengi businessmen, you know, out. Right. I don't know. What's that?
1: I don't know, man. I don't know what he's doing there. Good question. Hmm. Okay. All right. What else you got, sir? I got nothing else on this one.
0: All right. Now let's go to uh, what I think we both agree is the best story of the of the bunch. It is, and it's about loyalty. Which is a
1: uh, pretty important story. Four from the book is called Loyalty, uh, and every okay. FJ Desanto is the writer, and I think did a very fine job. And then the artist is Bettina Kurkowski, who did a pretty good job too in the artwork. Scene opens on the Enterprise D in dry dock at Earth Station McKinley. Riker is watching the bruised and battered ship being repaired after a near-fatal encounter with the Borg. Like the ship, Riker is worried about her captain, Jean-Luc Picard, and his recovery from the ordeal at the hands of the Borg. Is Locutus banished from existence? Riker hopes so. Riker walks with Captain Picard, who is in civilian clothing, to the transporter room where he will be traveling to his home on Earth to find the answers he desperately needs. He feels he can do that because he is leaving his healing ship in the hands of the extremely competent commander. Picard beams down, but just before transport is initiated, Riker assures him the Enterprise will be ready for him when he returns. Picard says, but will I be ready for her, number one? Riker is depressed by the reply, but presses on. Back on the bridge, Geordie reports repairs and upgrades to the warp drive are complete. Riker takes a call in the captain's ready room. It's Vice Admiral Henry, Chief of Starfleet Security, who extends an invitation for Riker to attend a confidential meeting the next morning at HQ. Henry declines to explain the subject of the meeting, and Riker agrees to attend. That night, Riker talks to Deanna in 10 Forward about his misgivings concerning the meeting. The next morning, Riker takes a shuttle down to Earth, but before departure, unexpectedly hands over the con to Mr. Crusher. Surprised, surprise and excitement ensues for the young, acting ensign. At Starfleet HQ, Riker is met by two tough-looking Starfleet security mooks that tower over him. They escort him to the meeting in a highly secured area of the building, without a word of explanation. Vice Admiral Henry welcomes Riker and introduces the rest of the attendees. Flag Officer Hayes, Captain Louis of Judge, Advocate General, and Rear Admiral Bradish. There are a few additional people present that are watching from the wings. Riker is asked to report on the Enterprise. He states she will be ready to deploy in several weeks, with impressive upgrades in place. The Inquisitor says good news. We need the Enterprise back out there. Tired of the small talk, Riker forcefully states that he suspects this meeting is no normal debriefing and asks them to get to the point. The Inquisitors pull out the carrot, complimenting him on his handling of the Borg, under the most trying of conditions. Riker responds by spreading the credit around to his crew and his captain, who all played a part in the victory. Then the stick makes the appearance. They state amazement over how quickly he was willing to attempt to terminate his captain when he turned on the crew. Riker begins an angry retort, but is cut off by the stating that 11,000 people were lost at 359, and millions, if not billions, could have been lost if not for Riker. They say Starfleet morale is low. They need leadership like Riker's. They offer Riker promotion to Captain and offer him the Enterprise. Riker is shocked and pissed. They say after being assimilated by the Borg, Picard is no longer fit to captain a starship. This could be part of a Borg plot to infiltrate Starfleet. They say it would be political suicide to give Picard the Enterprise back, given how he led the Borg attack force that killed so many. Hayes says... They want Picard to accept early retirement and settle down on Earth as a Starfleet hero. Bradish says another way to handle it is to hold Picard accountable for the events of 359. One man is responsible for all those deaths. Riker explodes with rage. That man is not Captain Picard. The Inquisitors say they are considering several options, including returning Picard to duty. But before they can make that decision... They want to consult with Picard's closest ally, Riker. They exchange both angry and at times civil words for quite some time. Riker defends the captain and explains how he fought Borg control and was able to suggest a strategy that in the end stopped the Borg. It was not Riker who did it. Braddish brings Commander Shelby in to give a more impartial testimony since she is not part of the Enterprise crew, but was there to witness events. Shelby gives convincing testimony that Picard was under Borg control and could not help but take the actions he did. The fact he was able to break the Borg hold on him long enough to suggest the strategy that defeated them makes Picard a hero. Bradish continues her attack on Picard, saying he could have been altered mentally and may still be a tool for the board. Riker can take no more, and calls the meeting a damned court-martial. Riker angrily turns to leave the room. Bradish says, this is three times Riker has passed on a promotion. Turn down this commission, and there will likely not be a fourth. Riker turns and angrily says, how dare you hold my future hostage? He makes an impassioned case for Picard that ends by saying if their decision is to oust Picard, then he resigns immediately and tosses his comm badge on the table where they are all seated. Braddish angrily calls Riker's grandstanding a bluff. Riker tells her to shut up and says he knows the Enterprise crew. If he walks, so will they. How will that look to the rest of Starfleet? To the Federation? To the rest of the galaxy? Shelby says... She is with Riker, and tosses her account badge on the desk next to his. They both head out the door, but Flag Officer calls them back, asking how can they resolve this. Riker proposes that Picard keep his commission. He will remain First Officer and monitor the Captain as he returns to duty. If there is any indication of remaining Borg influence, he will take care of the situation, personally they take Riker's proposal. Riker says he will take command of a starship someday, but when he is damn good and ready. The meeting adjourns, but Bradish makes it clear that if Picard does turn out to be under Borg control and putting him back in charge of the Federation flagship gives them the opportunity to kill millions, it will be all on Riker's head. When Riker and Shelby exit the room, and are alone. They smile and breathe a huge sigh of relief. They shake hands and call each other by their first names. Riker takes off in the shuttlecraft as Shelby makes plans to transition to her new assignment on the USS Checkoff.
0: The end. Not the Excelsior. Not the Excelsior. The che- or not Excelsior.
1: Uh, Excalibur. No, not the Excalibur. No, that's a different story. Hmm. Okay. Yes. And, of course, was it is it New Voyages? Uh, what's the name of that series? Yeah, New Voyages. New Voyages, okay.
0: No, wait. New Frontiers. New Frontiers, okay. Which I found to be very good. I, I like those stories. Right. But she is the first officer there, and then she moves on to be captain of her own ship, right? I forget what it is. Yeah, and she's also... I forgot what
1: story it was, but she's also commanding a star base, isn't she, at some point in a story? Uh, I don't remember. I believe she is. Anyway, she gets around in the uh <laughs> expanded universe. Right. Yeah. She's she's a good character, I like her. She is. I mean you really I really disliked her badly at the beginning of Best of Both
0: Worlds, but by the end, she's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, when that episode, when that episode started, when it was all over, that the the big cliffhanger. Yeah, I just knew that she was going to be the new first officer going forward and I had written Picard off. He was not coming back. Oh, oh, I oh, so uh once part one,
1: end of season yeah. three, happened, that's what you were thinking. Yep. Interesting.
0: Yep. Very I went I went the whole summer just uh there's no more Picard. Oh. <laughs> Luckily, I, that didn't I was happen. wrong.
1: Okay, so the cool thing about this story is, you know, after all this was said and done, and season four starts up, and we got the resolution, Picard's back, at least to being human again. And then he goes off, and the, what episode two was family. Mm-hmm. And, and wrestle with his brother. Wrestle with his brother and get his head back together. It's like, okay, so episode two, family, talked about the Picard half of things. But it doesn't say anything about the crew or Riker. Mm -hmm. And then all it says is later on, uh, when everybody's back on the ship and stuff, and Picard's got his act together again, and Riker is still there as first officer, I believe all they say about that, about Riker still being first officer, is that after what Riker did, he can do anything he wants. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the only explanation, wasn't it, in the show? Yep. Yep. So, this... Makes a lot more sense, even though some bits seem a little forced still. This makes a lot more sense than what they did, you know, in the TV show. And right. I think this would have made a pretty damn good, <laughs> a pretty damn good episode three. Quite or frankly, just
0: have it as a subplot of that family episode, I mean. Uh, the, oh, that'd be a lot to fit. So you'd have a parallel thing going on?
1: I don't know, make it a two-parter. I don't know. Well, oh, oh, yeah, okay, actually that's a good idea. Because it is... I mean, it's going on at the same time. Right. So, yeah, you could cross-cut back and forth between the two storylines.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. I loved how this just fit seamlessly into what we knew what was going on. Right. And it got them all into the same mindset, which by episode three of that season, it was all business as usual. And we won't really talk about it again until Hugh shows up later. Yeah. So what would you think of Wesley getting command? Uh,
1: I thought it was cute and totally not worth talking about in the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely skipped that part. But yeah, right. so yeah, there was a lot that went on that they kind of showed and they kind of talked about later as far yeah. as uh, Captain Blight. Fortunately, Bly, there Wesley. wasn't
0: it wasn't a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad they didn't delve too much into that one. Right. It's kinda of like bookended it. You know, when he left, he gave him control, and then when he got back there like he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, a taskmaster or something.
1: Slave right. driver. Which I thought was kind of funny.
0: So uh correct me if I'm wrong or or not wrong, but uh were they implying that the um that the USS Melbourne was destroyed at at the battle of wolf 359 i think they i think they said that in the
1: original tv series right? did they so, i couldn't remember because yeah. i think when shelby or somebody's reading some of the ships that have been destroyed at 359 in the first part i thought right. she's listing off ships that were lost and i think she says the melbourne and then there's oh, a okay. the cut to
0: to Riker going Ugh, that could have been me oh wow uh i think you know, if that's in there, I totally, I've, I've missed it all the times I've seen it. I've never paid that. I guess I never paid attention. I don't know. Oh, well, Wow.
1: I've seen that uh, these two episodes were by far my favorite episodes of Star Trek ever. I mean, right. uh, Next Gen. My favorite Next Gen episodes. And I think so a lot of people you know, probably City think City
0: of that. Edge of Forever is your all-time favorite well, Star okay, Trek? Okay,
1: I corrected myself. Uh, okay. Well, I definitely said it was my favorite Next Gen.
0: Right. So now you you're forcing
1: me to pick between my favorite Taz episode well, and I my just, favorite TNG episode. Because you point? stopped yourself you to and
0: corrected yourself, I, now I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I,
1: I, I'm going to go with City on the Edge of Forever. Hmm. What about you?
0: Um, I think I would pick The Next Generation over. Yeah, so I, I, these two I thought were great, right? Oh, just that's right. Because these came out when I was a kid, and yeah. like I said, it has that impact of I went that whole summer just knowing sure. that Picard was out. You oh. know, so for me, this has a much more personal impact than that your favorite does.
1: Right, that's a tough choice for me to make.
0: But, sure, because I
1: think this was just what's happening to the characters, you know, the action uh, in the conflict with the Borg. The conflict between Shelby and Riker, the insecurity that Riker is feeling, kind of wondering why is he still on the ship. But being able to overcome all of that and come up with and execute the game plan that saves everybody, that's cool. I think that was great.
0: Love it. Very good writing. I did like how in this issue they kind of give Riker a secret agenda to keep an eye out to kind of further explain why he never leaves until right star Trek, um, nemesis.
1: Right. Yeah. That
0: it made more sense. Right. I mean,
1: at, in the first episode, part one of best of both worlds, he's actively asking, you know, why did he turn down another commission? And he's wondering why he's, he's still here. Um, uh, and then even after everything happened, and even after he demonstrated that he is he is a, a completely qualified captain, he's still sitting there. Right. Yeah, this made
0: more sense. Yep, I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah too bad this is not a canon story, because to me it really works. Yeah. Uh, I thought the art style was the best of the three.
1: Uh, although, you know, a lot of the emotion that's being drawn into people's faces and stuff especially Riker it's He's like mad. yeah it's very like over the top Japanese kind of style right right uh, it was I mean especially in some of the points with the ferocity that Riker is demonstrating the way they got him drawn you know it just reminded me of you know you know Spritle and Chim Chim stowed away in Speed Racer's trunk way <laughs> too many times <laughs> You know, Speed just really pissed. Again, you did this again. You know, the same kind of emotion I think would have happened in that situation, right? <laughs> well, you know, Speed. Speed would yeah. always be like,
0: oh, ah, oh.
1: You know, yes. That's a good show.
0: We need yeah. to bring it back.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually, in my in my notes, I actually have a, a picture of Spritel and Chim Chim in the trunk it into my my show notes. Did I, you really? That's I, awesome. I did. It's, it's kind of funny. Matter of fact, I'll send it to you. Maybe you can put it on the cover. You know, in the, oh, there you go. Anyway. <laughs> and nobody will notice in the in the melange that you put together so masterfully for every episode. I appreciate that. Fine job, by the way. Oh, thanks. I didn't oh, know God. you even noticed.
0: Of course, I do. Anyway,
1: yeah. Go
0: ahead. I really don't have anything else uh, as far as the artwork goes. It's it's. I think I probably like the skinny young versions better. Uh, just <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I just kind of like that cartoony style. But right, right. And to me, these don't look enough like the actors to, you know, really give this style uh, a, a leg up over the other one. So. Right. So, I don't know. Well, uh, something that I'm not crazy about
1: is on the first page. Mm-hmm. Where they're showing Enterprise D at McKinley Station again, a very round-looking saucer section, which is not right. Sorry, that's not right. It's oval. It's it's oval. It's why it's why it's bigger across than it is forward lengthwise the saucer section,
0: and it showed it very very round, and that, that mm-hmm. kind of bugged me. And then what about later when the shuttlecraft leads? Did, it, did you notice anything there? Let me look. Oh, let me look. Uh, at the end? Or uh, the... No, kind of in the middle. Uh,
1: when he goes down to the meeting. Uh, okay, so I'm on page 20, and the shuttle is, is speeding away. Let me go further back.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was a 19 and 20. It's a two-page spread. Right, okay.
1: Uh, MCC seventeen oh one. Can't really
0: tell. That's you, it, it, it's a weird angle. You can't really. No, I was just asking if you. know. Oh, you mean the roundness the of the? Yeah, it, it right. looks pretty round again. I agree. All right, and my last comment, Ken, if I may, this Admiral Bradish guy, Braddish lady. We oh, is it a lady? It's a it's, it's a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Should we know who she is? I I don't
1: you know. Maybe she's popped up. But I don't remember her. How uh, do you
0: know th- it's a lady? Well,
1: because look at the drawing.
0: You, okay. She's a. It's a uh, Negro lady, right? I have no idea. I haven't seen anything that distinguishes well, her that. as a female. Oh, okay. She's got... Oh, well.
1: Okay. She's got short hair. Okay, so I agree. She's got short hair, but... And those look like
0: female features, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean... Anytime it shows her chest, her arms are always crossed, so I w- didn't notice anything there. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I never noticed you know, a he or she uh, pronoun, so I wasn't sure. No, it was just Admiral. But I I think her face looks like a female, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I'm looking at it again, uh, I, I suppose. I just thought it was a young guy, to tell you the truth. And that's why I couldn't understand why he... I mean, until the end when they say that uh, he or she had uh, some children that passed away at the battle. Right. Uh, I thought he, I thought it was just like a young whippersnapper that just hated uh, hated Riker for some reason. Oh, or I hated Picard. Right. Just trying to make a name for himself or herself.
1: Yeah. Well, I took it as a lady. Uh, and and then finally at the end, and I, I I probably maybe I should have slipped this into the synopsis, but it was too long anyway, but yeah so they say in the book that um the other Hayes, I think, explained that she lost two children in three fights yeah, it
0: says Admiral Bradish lost his children oh both his top officers that's what the that's what the one admiral finally him. oh in. man, okay, I guess I'm wrong, in your face skin <gasps> but look at
1: the face, look at the eyes, no okay, okay, fine uh-huh. I'm wrong <laughs> I'm wrong,
0: obviously. Okay, I could, I could see it though, and and especially since his arms are crossed every single shot, so you can't. Not that you should be looking there to tell it, but sometimes that's the, right. Sometimes that's the tail. <laughs> right. And and look Perds. at the hair. It's like,
1: it's permed out. It's per, it's pretty pretty big hair.
0: Short hair. Okay, so we know it's definitely a he now. Okay. Good. Got that clear. But out. yeah, so the whole time I was like, I could not figure out why this, this guy hated Picard and Riker so much. Um, yeah. So I'm glad they finally gave us that bone. But then I was still wondering if he was supposed to be somebody we knew of in the past. But it doesn't sound like I I should. So I'm um, going to not worry about it. Right.
1: I definitely don't remember a young either captain because they said
0: newly uh, promoted,
1: newly promoted. So it could have been a captain. Right. Um. Or... Commodore? Well, whatever. Uh, I don't remember somebody that looked like that.
0: A young right. guy that looked like a woman. I, <laughs> I think it's just the art style, man. Yeah. All right. What else do you have? I don't...
1: I was really surprised that Shelby had threatened to quit. I mean, she was... You know, she's ambitious. I mean, she's a, <laughs> a ladder climber. No two ways about it. I mean, because that was obvious from the episodes. Right. And the fact that she would actually be willing to to chuck it all that was that was surprising
0: that was um
1: that was she a big does. thing for her to do
0: she has her uh, her morals yes i guess so i mean for all her faults, she was always you know what she believed she believed wholeheartedly I
1: know, but she was such
0: when she <laughs> you know
1: when she was like in Riker's face basically saying um." I'm gonna be first officer get used to it basically right in the first episode
0: uh, yeah. the first
1: you know the, the first part it's like oh my god I do not like you <laughs> Not <laughs> one bit you back off a of Riker now anyway uh, she was really set up to be uh, you know very styles like captain Styles
0: like right but, oh that's a good good analogy except yeah. she was actually likable where styles well, never- she became likable. She was not likable
1: at the beginning. And she seemed more realistic. Styles was an over the top caricature. Right. Where at least Shelby was a little bit more realistic. I mean, you could see a person acting that way. Right. In my opinion. The way it was written. I thought it was right. very well done. Okay. Anywho, I have nothing else to say except that thumbs up on this one.
0: Yep. Yeah. Out of all three of these books, I liked them all. There wasn't a single one that I was just like, uh, "This is." Right. I, I think uh, a few of them might have gone a little long. Like the the first two, I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we spent a little too much time going back and forth as to how the aliens were jumping and mm-hmm. uh, and the resolution. <laughs> I thought it was maybe a little longer than it should have been, but right. still enjoyable book and same with the with the other the other uh, the um, dancing Romulan one
1: the dancing Romulan (laughs) and then of course the 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 shape-shifting Wesley
0: that was funny but (laughs) yeah it it was
1: well and it was meant to be and it was very hard to believe and but but I must say Wesley was kind of hot as a girl
0: don't say that that's so wrong
1: to say Uh, I'm (laughs) sorry (laughs)
0: that's so wrong
1: (laughs) (laughs) But he really was a girl. I mean, this thing turned him into a girl.
0: True. Somehow. I'm just saying. The uh, holodeck. Yes. Uh, All right. All right. Well, so if we're finished with this one, let's move on to what we're going to do next week. (laughs) Sounds good. That will be back to our good friends at IDW and uh, the ongoing adventures of movie version Pike and Company. Pie, uh, Chris yeah. Pine version of Kirk. Not. Uh, I don't know why I always want to call it Pike. <laughs> why. Pike. It's Pine Pine, it's Pine, Pine. and Kirk kind of mixed together and it makes Pike, but Pike's another <laughs> character, so it's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the Chris Pine version of Kirk. Exactly. Which will be interesting because they're going to have to start leaning it towards what's going to happen in, in Star Trek Beyond. So I am starting to get a little excited about uh, the upcoming movie and and is all going to fit in me too so,
1: so we 'll be doing issues fifty four through fifty six next week, and I am very looking forward to Star Trek beyond. I hope I will not be disappointed i don 't think I will be looking very forward to it, sure, so before we wrap up, can I also just mention the article of course this is this is back the sixteenth of April that we 're recording this, and by the time whoever hears this hears this, you know it 'll be a lot further down, but right now, there has been a period of time where we really haven 't heard much about star trek beyond not a lot of promotion going on right now and there was even just this week uh, a big meeting of different theater owners and tv shows and things like that networks uh that present media and stuff and lots of things paramount said about other movies that are coming out but they didn't say much at all about uh, star trek beyond and they haven't shown a new trailer in quite a while so some are saying hmm Let's think about what happened with Star Wars. I was sick of Star Wars by the time it finally came out because you just kept on like for over a year you just kept on hearing about it. It's like the promotion machine was going constantly where they definitely seem to be taking a different approach with uh, Star Trek beyond Paramount mm. and I, I
0: don't like
1: know. I like it. I
0: don't want to be sick of the movie by the time it comes out because I'm sick of hearing about it, right. I would have like I would like some sort of like tie-in countdown type thing like we did for Countdown in the Darkness and the original Countdown.
1: Are they not going to do something like that?
0: I have not seen anything. Oh, we got th- three months. What well, right. July? Right, it comes out in July. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Hmm. There's not going to be a countdown? Ah. Uh, okay. If there is, we might need to rearrange the schedule to accommodate. Oh, and I haven't will. heard of anything. Okay. I have heard that they're going to incorporate uh, Spock's death into the new movie. What? Leonard Nimoy's death.
1: Oh, 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 okay.
0: So I think in, like, issues – well, we might be doing them next week. 55, 56, and 57 deal with – Legacy of Spock. Yeah, so – I think that's the title of uh, of two of them. That might be their version of the countdown. Uh... Oh. Explain how Spock's passing in this universe – but I don't know I haven't read them yet. Right. I have not either, but yeah, Old Spock,
1: Nimoy is definitely on the cover of at least one of them if not both. Right.
0: But that goes up to 57, so we're not we're not going to get that resolution next week anyways. Next. Okay, so it's a three-parter. Okay. Right.
1: So we got two parts.
0: Okay. All right, well, we'll definitely be talking about that next week.
1: Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on the review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios, Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for our entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star comic book review at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.st.com comicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at First Name ST Comic Second Name Book Review See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review Let's get the hell out of here